We are back, and as promised, at the top of the hour, we need to tell you a little bit, I think, about uh, the trip taken for the benefit of this program and, and for you, dear listeners, back to New York City and Washington, D.C. It involved quite a few tours, um, that of Sirius Satellite Radio, that of 30 Rockefeller Center, the headquarters of NBC, and in Washington, a tour of the Voice of America's rather extensive operations in the shadow of the Capitol Dome. It's been something of an embarrassment that uh, I have not been to New York City since 1973. The World Trade Towers had been opened, I believe, the year before, last time I was there. And uh, it, it, was, it was time for an update. I, I, really, it's embarrassing to admit that I've been to something like 70 countries and still had only spent 24 hours in, uh, to a lot of folks, what is America? New York City. Three and a half decades ago, I found New York to be, uh, you know, just a big giant canyon of steel and glass and a rather cold city and uh, not a place I was really keen to return to anytime soon. And so it took uh, several decades. But I must confess, right out of the starting gate, I was won over by the Big Apple. First of all, the food. The, f- the food will, will score points with you. Those delis are everywhere. Their selection's terrific, the service is great, the prices are not bad at all, and the food seems to be uniformly good. I mean, it's a, it seems to be a, an example of capitalism in action. If you're not offering um, a good service in New York in terms of food, I, I don't think you'll last in business very long. On the other hand, I was somewhat astonished to find that hotels did not seem to be available last week. I hooked up with the former general manager of this station, uh, KDVS's own Stephen Valentino. It was he who gave me the tour of Sirius Satellite, where he's uh, currently employed. But after hooking up in Katz's Deli in Lower Manhattan, uh, Steve called basically 44 consecutive hotels to find they were all full. He then said, maybe I'll start at the bottom of the list again. I said, that's the dumbest idea I've heard all month. But uh, wouldn't you know it, he makes one call, and they say, yes, yes, a room just opened up. So we flew three blocks down to the uh, the Howard Johnson's and got myself a nice little basement closet-sized room for the remarkably cheap price of only $330. Now, it, it did have a window. If you pull back the drapes, you could look, look up onto the sidewalk, observing pedestrians walking by. But uh, luckily, a colleague and good pal was visiting New York the next couple nights, and I was able to, uh, to share expenses by having a roommate, so it, it did work out. I don't know how they do the Staten Island Ferry, but you can take it for free, go past the Statue of Liberty, and, uh, you know, that is just a remarkable deal for tourists and commuters alike. I'm not sure how they work that. Uh, Times Square has changed remarkably. I mean, it's said that it was completely cleaned up by the administrations running the City Hall in New York over the decades, and they certainly have done so. It used to resemble these sleazy areas of Market Street with all the strip clubs and et cetera, sex shops, that sort of thing. Uh, of course, I do miss the, I think it was Marlboro ad they used to have that famously used to blow smoke rings out over the crowd. Uh, that's gone. And it really is more like a more like a theme park at this point. But nevertheless, uh, you know, it's 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 an improvement. 
I did get a, a tour of Rockefeller Center, also known as 30 Rock, where, you know, they filmed Saturday Night Live. Johnny Carson used to do his show when he was in New York. And it was sort of cool seeing where Aykroyd and Belushi, uh, you know, had, had done Saturday Night Live uh, many years back and where the current uh, crop of knuckleheads uh, are pretending to do comedy. But it, it, was, it was very, very interesting to see where so much history uh, took place in terms of broadcasting back to the days of David Sarnoff and the origins of NBC. All right, perhaps the funniest moment of the trip was going down to Wall Street where they used to have two large bronze statues of a bull and a bear. Of course, with the bull market, market goes up. The bear market, market goes down. Well, somebody down at Wall Street decided just having a statue of a bear was wrong. So it was knocked off the pedestal and carted away. This left the massive metallic bull in place. And, uh, of course, as, as Stephen pointed out to me with glee, tourists go up to the bull start taking pictures using it as a background, and soon the light bulb goes off over their heads, and they all get the same idea of where to create a rather amusing photo opportunity using the bull as a backdrop. And although I I don't necessarily want to give anything away, let's just say they're not using the horns of the bull, or really, for that matter, the front end of the bull. Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, I, I was, again, won over by the Big Apple, and I do intend to go back for more Turkish food and another look at the uh, art of antiquity to be found in the Museum of Natural History. All right, and now as for uh, Washington, D.C., I must say it was very cool taking the train, uh, three hours and change to get from uh, New York's Penn Station down to the Capitol's Union Station, which is quite uh, quite remarkably restored. It's really a beautiful building in Washington, D.C. Hooked up with uh, Benjamin Jonas Keeling, who was my producer for many years over at Capital Public Radio when I substituted for Jeffrey Callison on the Insight program. Benjamin is now running the Iranian Broadcast Division of The Voice of America. He gave me a tour of their extensive facilities with, uh, with just one of the greatest views I've ever seen out the window of that building of the Capitol right there on Capitol Hill a half block away. It, it is a remarkable operation, uh, broadcasting in 44 different languages. I remember so well, a couple decades back, uh, dialing in on my shortwave in the middle of nowhere, like in, say, Eastern Africa, pulling in the BBC uh, and the Voice of America, along with things like Radio Moscow, Netherlands Air, uh, the Canadian Broadcasting System, broadcasts out of Australia, etc., 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 The hallway of the VOA had the most remarkable set of uh, endorsements I think you could possibly hope to find. Numerous heads of state, people like the late Benazir Bhutto, people like uh, uh, Václav Havel of Czechoslovakia, the former president, uh, the playwright, uh, talking about how important it was that that he could get VOA broadcasts in times of trouble during uh, communist propaganda. Uh, Echoed also uh, people like Lech Walesa saying the same thing, how important it was to get relatively unbiased information through the Voice of America when all they had around them was propaganda. At any rate, uh, for more about the VOA, I would refer you to our own archives. In this case, our interview with Benjamin Jonas Keeling before he went back to Washington, D.C. Benjamin uh, notes very strongly that uh, there's a firewall built into the Voice of America so that it is not uh, reflective of propaganda of the U.S. government. Now, I know some would argue that it is inevitable the government will be able to exert a certain spin on what is put out. After all, it is put out at government expense. But I think if you compare it to the likes of, you know, the old Radio Moscow, uh, which which I did listen to on the shortwave back in the 1980s, 
uh, they do they do a pretty good job. Uh, Benjamin is involved with the Iranian language broadcast, and I was rather startled to learn that with modern satellite technology, the VOA is able to broadcast television signals all over Iran. And in fact, uh, their station is watched by, according to estimates, a fourth of the Iranian population, which is which is really quite astounding if you think about it. Imagine if, say, Brazil was broadcasting a television signal to the United States and, and one-fourth of the population here was watching it. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's really reaching out and achieving your goal, which, uh, which hopefully will uh, continue to include uh, disseminating information to the Iranians and, and not uh, bombs. Yes, Mr. McMillan suggests the uh, motto, sitcoms, not bombs. I'll, I'll try and send that to Benjamin and see if, if they'll pick that up over at uh, VOA. Anyway, I've got a few more things to say about all of this on the blog, which you will find on our website, radioparallax.com. I have not been very good about blogging in the past, but I am vowing to do better now and in the future. So we'll talk about New York on this, this blog of this week, and next week I'll talk about Washington, D.C. All right, let's do a roundup of some, uh, some various items. Uh, we did like the fact that the snog in the Sacramento News and Review um, put up uh, some questions to ask Senator John McCain, who was recently crisscrossing California, trying to get acquainted with the folks out here in the West. I did like their first question. What's the difference between Sunni and Shiite? Number seven wasn't too bad either. Having been brutally tortured in Vietnam, why are you now for torture? Also number 10, why are you breaking the campaign finance laws that you co-authored? I don't know whether he is or not, but, uh, you know, I, I got a sneaking suspicion he probably is. Another good one was number four. What was it like riding in Charles Keating's private jet? In case you've forgotten, and I think America has, uh, Senator John McCain was one of the Keating Five, senators who did everything possible to protect uh, uh, financier Charles Keating during the middle of the uh, savings and loan crisis back in the 1980s. Uh, Keating actually eventually did go to jail, one of the few who did, because his Lincoln Savings and Loan, I think based in Irvine, California, and then Keating was basing in Southern California and Arizona, was one of the most flagrant uh, examples of, of bad management of an institution. And uh, McCain did everything possible to keep him up, along with uh, California Senator Alan Cranston, who was shamed into retiring from the Senate at the time, uh, which is quite a far cry from the, the Republican presidential nominee, John McCain. Here's another item we liked. Bruce Bartlett, writing in the New York Times, noted that the, these rebates that uh, the government is planning to give us all, which was described as essentially dropping $100 bills from helicopters in an election year. Uh, it turns out the government's going to spend $117 billion on the rebates, noting that, uh, you know, as the financial markets have come close to melting down, these $300 people are going to be given is probably not going to jumpstart everything. So the question is, can we afford to spend $117 billion that the Treasury doesn't have on a rebate program that will do little to stimulate the economy? A very good question. And here's another very good question, quoting an article by Jeffrey Lean, writing in The Independent UK. Uh, Mobile phones could kill far more people than smoking or asbestos, according to a study by an award-winning cancer expert that says that people should obviously avoid using them whenever possible. The study by Dr. Vinny Corana is the most devastating indictment yet published of the health risks associated with cell phones. 
It draws on growing evidence that using handsets for 10 years or more can double the risk of brain cancer. The Independent noted that earlier this year, the French government warned against the use of mobile phones, especially by children, and Germany is advising its people to minimize handset use. Professor Karana is a top neurosurgeon who's received 14 awards over the past 16 years. He's published more than three dozen scientific papers, reviewed more than 100 studies on the effects of mobile phones. He's put the results on a brain surgery website. And the scientists based this, this claim about smoking and asbestos on the fact that about 3 billion people are now using cell phones worldwide, which is reportedly three times as many as smoke. Last week, the Mobile Operators Association dismissed Karana's study as, quote, a selective discussion of scientific literature by one individual, unquote. This is a topic we will return to. We also wanted to cite uh, an article that was repeated on truthout.org. And if you don't know about truthout.org, we would certainly want to refer you to their website. You get some excellent reporting um, on that site. In this case, it was an article by Morgan Strong of Consortium News um, that looked at the PBS special on Iraq, which, which aired last week. Frontline allotted uh, no less than four and a half hours over two nights to an in-depth analysis of the war in Iraq. Uh, apparently during the program, um, uh, an interview with Richard Armitage revealed that the State Department was, well, we know this, was funding Ahmed Chalabi and his Iraq National Congress. But what was curious was the notion that uh, one of the main goals of, of putting Chalabi in charge of Iraq is that a Chalabi-led Iraq would recognize Israel. According to Frontline, the Vice President's Chief of Staff, Scooter Libby, remember him, and Cheney, along with Richard Pearl, Paul Wolfowitz, and Donald Rumsfeld, endorsed this idea of Ahmed Chalabi running Iraq and, and were described as convincing a hopelessly befuddled George Bush. One thing I'm surprised to learn is that, uh, that uh, President Bush knew that the claims being made about weapons of mass destruction were tenuous at best. And it was at one point, following a presentation of evidence by CIA Director George Tenet, that Bush pointedly asked, is that all you've got? To which Tenet replied rather famously, it's a slam dunk, sir. In essence, that meant, don't worry, I'll find you something. Noted author Morgan Strong, a tenant then went off to cook the intelligence that satisfied the president, enabling him to justify the war to the public. The president was depicted uh, somewhat unexpectedly, or I guess, I don't know if that's really a fair assessment, uh, unexpectedly or expectedly, depending on your viewpoint, was depicted as a passive incompetent controlled by Vice President Cheney. Although, of course, whether or not the president was manipulated is irrelevant, as the chief constitutional officer of the United States, he, of course, bears the ultimate responsibility. At any rate, if you want to read the whole article, again, go to truthout.org, and I'm sure that, uh, that uh, PBS Frontline is available through their usual outlets. Anyway, let's close with some amusing material here. We were sent an email by Millie from New York City, actually, uh, about some comments allegedly found in high school essays submitted by English teachers across the country. I'm suspect of the, the source on this, but nevertheless, they're so good, I have to share them. My sneaking suspicion is these are, in reality, entries from the Bulwer-Lytton Worst Opening Sentence of a Novel contest. But let's, let's do five of them. Starting with... The young fighter had a hungry look, the kind you get from not eating for a while. Or, 
The revelation that his marriage of 30 years had disintegrated because of his wife's infidelity came as a rude shock, like a surcharge at a formerly surcharge-free ATM machine. I'm especially fond of this one. Her vocabulary was as bad as, like, whatever. Also good is, shots rang out, as shots are known to do. And finally, my personal favorite. He was a lame duck. And not a metaphorical lame duck either, but a real duck that was actually lame, maybe from stepping on a landmine or something. All right, we are out of time. Our thanks to guests William Poundstone and Robin Fox. We hope Mr. Poundstone will again return to this program uh, at some point in the future. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Associate producer was Letty Chavez. I'm Douglas Everett. In the weeks to come, we expect to bring you back on the program John Dean to talk about what has happened to his Republican Party. Two weeks from now, Gordon Uncle John Javna of the Bathroom Readers uh, fame will be returning to the program. We expect on next week's show to also have Peter B. Collins talking about uh, the demise of KSAC and Air America here in Sacramento. We expect to hear from our good pal Brad Friedman, a fixture on Peter B. Collins' show as well. And of course, Will Durst will be back too. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see you then. <laughs>